got to go quickly. It's a draw. It's a draw. And then she gets it back. Oh, oh you're wow. kidding me. And the Sunshine Coast Lightning have achieved the unthinkable. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Inner Circle Podcast. This is Sherelle McMahon, and I am alongside, well, not really alongside, but I'm through <laughs> a Zoom meeting with Bianca Chatfield. Uh, how are you, B? I'm good, Sherelle. Whoa, there's lots of netball on the news at the moment. Not all for the right reasons, but there's lots of netball going on. Is there ever? And you say not for the right reasons, but let's be honest, it's creating more discussion points, isn't it? So, you know, that's not a bad thing I wouldn't have thought. Can you believe there's been 12 games since we last spoke? Um, And only less than a week, about a week ago, um, 12 games. Um, How are you enjoying midweek netball? It's actually been quite good. I quite like the midweek games, but because there's so much going on, it's hard to keep up. Like things that were an issue on the weekend and no longer now. And obviously we're recording on a, on Friday. Usually we would record midweek and we've been trying to get different guests along the way. And then what happened on Wednesday <laughs> night? We were like, right, let's go and get an umpire. Let's go and get Jackie Jashari. Let's try and get someone um, to represent the umpires because we haven't heard anything from anybody um, or anything to do with the umpires from that game. And as we usually do, we like to try and give people a voice here and not necessarily to bl- play the blame game. We just want to talk about it and have a bit of a discussion and learn from it all. Um, anyway, unfortunately, we couldn't get Jackie Jashari who heads up the umpiring. Um, and apparently, I believe Netball Australia may be releasing a statement today as to their view and their take on it all. But yeah, I was disappointed we couldn't get an umpire on today. However, we do have someone who was at the game and who is very impressive uh, and who we always love to talk to. And it'd be great that we can chat to Julie Fitzgerald a bit later on. Yeah, Julie Fitzgerald, our special guest later. We're going straight to the top of the Giants squad. Um, So it is great that she has agreed to come on and chat with us. And you're right, I've got to say, with all the discussion that was going on um, on Wednesday night after the game, and particularly yesterday, it did generate quite a lot of discussion. I was a little bit surprised that we didn't hear from the league about um, the the process and and what had gone on. Um, Because, you know, we do see a lot of other codes come out and have a statement on, you know, there's decisions that are made. Was it the right decision? Was it the wrong decision? Um, You know, and and that, I think, provides clarity, not just for um, the the fans, but also for the players and the coaches who are out there um, on the court, because I've got no doubt that that is kind of a a really challenging thing. So, um, yeah, I I feel like um, I would like the league to get on the front foot a little bit more with some of those things. Mm. Yeah. And I I can only imagine, we know that because of COVID, everyone is doing it tougher than what we usually would in the netball world. So the netball girls are up there. They don't have as much support around them, but they do have support as players. And the thing that I would love to know is that from an umpiring perspective, we know that they've moved, have to go up to Queensland. They're in the hub as well. They're having to do their full-time jobs online, like a lot of us in the world. But they're also trying to umpire and I want to know what support they have around them because it, players, not that it's always right, but we, we are more used to dealing with the media and dealing with, you know, sometimes if we play a bad game or we do something outrageous, we've got mm. to learn to cope with that. I don't think the umpires would ever have to deal or understand or, um, you know, have to deal with this situation that they've been thrown in where... It's the focus is on them right now. That was it the right call? Was it outrageous? And 
I put it up on my Instagram yesterday around just a bit of a poll as to what everybody is thinking, whether it's the right, whether it was a bad call to send off uh, Christiana in the two times that she was sent off, whether it was a good call that the umpires did. And to be honest, it's really staggered. No one really knows. Mm. And my last option was, was it uh, who's still confused? And the majority of people, I think it was over like 400 <laughs> people were like, yes, we are still confused. So we just need some direction from the league. And um, yeah, hopefully we get that sooner rather than later. Yeah, because for me, and I want to get into a little bit of the detail of it, because I think for me, there are three really main questions here um, that I would like to have clarified. And I think a lot of people uh, would like to have clarified. Um, First of all, the process that we go through um, in this situation. So if there's a, a persistent rule breaking or there's a particularly rough or dangerous play, then there is the process. And a lot of people may have got their heads around this a bit more, but it's caution, warning, two minute send off, rest of the game send off. So that's the process if if that action continues. Now, um, the first question for me was there was a challenge on Proscovia from Christiana Manoa in the second quarter, um, which drew the attention of the umpire. And the first step in that process was skipped and it went straight to a warning. Now, let's be clear on this. The umpires absolutely have the right to do that. And if the action is bad enough, they can actually send off straight away as well. So you don't have to follow each step. So um, probably the first question is, why was that initial step um, uh, skipped? Because what that then meant was that the next time there was a challenge that drew the eye of the umpire, it was the send-off. It wasn't Mm. the next step along, which would have been the warning. So I think some clarification around that particular contest and, and why that warranted the immediate warning rather than the caution. Um, the second one for me now, I mean, the, the Conan challenge, which triggered the send-off, um, you know, that's probably for me not as much of a grey area. You know, she had a line to the ball and she did did take Conan's body. Conan protected herself really well and by no means was she taken out. But that that's not mu- as much of a grey area for me. But it was the actual send-off for the rest of the game, the challenge or the contest against... Laura Sherian, and now we're sitting back here, Bianca, and everyone else with the um, absolute uh, uh, benefit of hindsight, of slow motion replays, (laughs) of different angles, which um, the umpires in that situation do not have. Now, I think when you look at that challenge, she didn't go through the body, um, but the umpire decided that that challenge in that moment was enough to send her off the court. So I think some real clarity um, needs to happen around that too, and whether or not now and i think if you look at that challenge in isolation there's no way that that warranted a send-off no way Hmm. but unfortunately the process had been started so when then the umpire thought in that moment well that's another late or dangerous challenge then the only real option that she had was to send her off um so i think some clarity around that um will be really important as to that challenge in itself but i think probably the bigger question and you alluded to it before is that broader um, talk about what that means for the league and what that means for the mm. players and the athletes uh, around the athletes and the coaches around how they're playing the game. Are we going to say now? You know, we've moved from a, it was a non-contact sport. We've moved to a semi-contact <laughs> sport, and uh, you know, is it officially I, you know, a semi-contact sport? Well, I think so. I don't know if that's in the rules, but that's I don't know certainly, <laughs> it's certainly not no contact anymore, that's for sure. Um, but I think, um, you know, and you and I loved the contest on the ball. That was one of the things I loved playing, netball. So I would hate to see 
us having to take a step back from where we are because I love that. And so I think from a broader context, the league has to come out and be really clear on whether or not in the future that sort of challenge on the ball is going to result in these actions or whether, you know, that it was the wrong decision. And again, we come back to other codes doing this. Was it the right or wrong call? So then that is going to set the bar on, on how the game's going to be played. Yeah, exactly. That's so, yeah, very true. And what is accepted? And to give people a... Uh, an understanding so say when we used to get or find it hard as defenders and was when you were playing international games you go away with the diamonds and you know you'd come up with umpires that you weren't used to having and you didn't really know what they would call so you know whether it was Norma Plummer or Lisa Alexander they would get the umpires to come to our training sessions they would as defenders even as the, the whole team would get to stand around and talk around talk with the umpires in different situations like when I'm putting my hands over at three feet I remember this instance from the World Cup in New Zealand 2007 when Selena Gilsonen was getting pulled for obstruction all the time yet she was a generous three feet and so the issue came right down to the fact that when she put her hands up in the air at three feet they wanted her hands up to be straight up in the air, not move towards over the ball or in that area. They had to be straight up. And so we had to get that clarified and then actually change our game to make sure that when we had that umpire, that's how we played. So that's exactly why the players now need to know. They need to know what the standard is that's going to be set and they need to be able to build from that. However, so I don't know if the umpires are now going to be spending lots of time going around to training. I'm hoping that they're going to be included in that environment and there can be lots of great discussions about it. Um, but, yeah, there needs to be some serious clarity around it. Um, I've seen far worse plays on the netball court than what Christiana did um, during that game. I've seen much more physical players. At times, I'd probably be more physical than that. I just think that... You know, it's really hard to be able to work what you do next. And the last thing we want is defenders to not contest the ball. That is the one thing we have as defenders is to be able to contest the ball and fly out for intercepts. Sometimes it doesn't come off, but we, if, as long as you've got the line for the ball and not for the player, we want to see that in our game. Yeah, and I, and I think there's just so many layers to this, Bianca, and, and we can't probably cover them all. But um, I think, you know, you talk about the umpires going around to trainings. Well, unfortunately, there's not many trainings happening at the moment. So that ability to do that is probably a bit reduced. The short turnaround times, uh, you know, make it difficult for teams to, to work on mm. uh, reviews. And so it would be interesting to know, and as you mentioned, unfortunately, we're not going to have that um, point of view, but to know what the umpires are doing and the other thing you know I wonder too as these players and athletes are, are playing these games backing up every week that possibly their timing might be a little bit off because mm. they don't maybe have the same push or power that they normally would so they'll see a ball and go for it but you know even just that fraction of a second late yes. can mean you know it's a late call so you know are the who's adjusting to that is, is that the responsibility of the athlete to then go oh, no, I'm not going to go for that, which we don't want to see. Or, you know, I think it's just a really unique situation that we're in and there are just so many things to take into consideration. Hmm, absolutely. I wonder how this yeah. is all going to be resolved or what we're going to hear yeah. this week before well, the games exactly. start again. I just want... I just want Christiana to be able to step out onto court this weekend and know what her boundaries are and every other defender, every player on the court to know what the boundaries are. I would hate for her because I can imagine she's probably very shattered 
around what has happened and that it is all on her. It looks like it's all on her what happened. Mm. Um, and, you know, to and the, for Lightning to go on and win by one goal when they were up, like it's really going to be hard for her personally to recover mentally, but I hope she is able to get out there and know exactly where her boundaries are and take the court. And I'm sorry, Sherelle, because it's going to be against the Vixens. However, <laughs> I want to see her go out there and fly for balls because she is a great player. And I think we've only really just seen the start of her career. I think she's got many, many years to go. So we want her to hang yeah. around and make sure that she yeah. is one of the toughest defenders out there on the court. Absolutely. And, and I will say too, I, I've sat in committees discussing um, this sort of thing around rules um, um, and umpires have been involved in that. And absolutely, they want the players to stay on court. They are not out there looking for opportunities to send these players off the court. That is absolutely not what they're doing. Um, so I, I think that that's a really important message too. You know, yes. um, they, these umpires, that they, they want the athletes out there. So that's why, um, and, you know, most of them are really clear on setting those boundaries. So um, they want them out there. And I, and I do have to point out as well, I think, you know, you're talking about Christiana and how she responds to this. How impressive was Joe Harton? immediately after the game in what was no doubt a really an, an emotional time, I thought she handled herself really well, as did Laura Langman, um, yes. to be honest, because what a weird situation for Lightning to be in too. Uh, I, I just think from that perspective, everyone handled themselves really well. And I just am always reminded in these moments about just how lucky we are um, with the athletes that we've got involved and how well they represent this sport because, quite honestly, they any one of them could have come out and said any number of things um, in the heat of that moment there. But I, I just thought, um, you know, they handled it really well. Now, Cheryl, you know, I don't really do my research very well sometimes, but one thing for me that I think is important that we mention is that Andrew Booth, she has umpired in Super Netball before, but I believe the other umpire, uh, it was actually his first game in Super Netball. So I also think we are quite kind to players playing their first game. So in a way that we have to show him that kind of kindness as well, um, that it was his first game too. And I could be completely wrong or off the mark on that one, but I just think it's important that we acknowledge that, you know, he's also just having a go too. Uh, and ha does, as you said before, doesn't have the same kind of angles that we get when we're watching it on TV to make those calls. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think that that, um, that angle and the time that we've got is, is a really important one too because, it's as I said, it's kind of easy for us to sit back and have all that benefit of hindsight and not the emotion and that sort of thing. But, again, <laughs> we're still kind of unsure, really, aren't we? We're, we're, we're still unsure. a little bit unsure. Yeah. Would you bring Which in is... video reviews? At the time. Just for something totally random. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> I remember you playing on Monia, Gerard. And at one point, she made the uh, signal to like the like making out a TV screen with her hands to say, "Come on, let's do a video replay of that." <laughs> yeah, well, look, I, I'm not so sure about <laughs> how that would work in such a fast-moving game. Um, but anyway, I, look, I think that these are all things that would be um, really good to kind of look at and, um, you know, make some judgment calls on. I, I don't know that we necessarily need to go that far. Might might slow the game down too much for me, Bianca. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm not but, for it. No. Um, one thing, the other, one of the other games, let's move on because um, we are going to discuss all this a little bit further, as I mentioned before, uh, with Julie Fitzgerald. So it'll be great to, to get into the nitty-gritty of that. Um, one thing that... Um, 
that happened less than a week ago, actually, but it feels like such a long time ago, the draw, the Giants and the Firebirds draw, um, which mm-hmm. saw us for the first time this year um, see that draw happen and not go into extra time, which, you know, we were all kind of geared up to be able to get a result on every game and now uh, we don't have that. What What's your feelings on that? We haven't had extra time in the league uh, for a couple of years. Do, are, are you wanting a result in that moment? Ideally, yes, but I think um, the situation at the moment, I actually would really worry about the players playing extra time and then having to potentially play again in two days' time. So I think it's good that it's limited. And if that just means we have a few draws this year, then so be it. But, yeah, I honestly don't think extra time is um, should be in at the moment. Um, it's just not not the best for the well-being of the players. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, and um, one of the other um, one of the other new rules that has come in, of course, is the two point shot. We continue to talk about that, although uh, our week this week has been overtaken by other things. Um, there was a little bit of controversy around the um, whether or not a two point shot is being signalled correctly as well, and the process oh, that yes. sat around that. So um, there was an instance. I think it was in the Magpies and Fever game. Fever game. Um, yep. a, about whether or not that that was signalled correctly. And so the league has come out um, and uh, given us a little bit more clarity and process around that, which is an interesting one because it's, um, you know, it's relying on at the moment, in the moment, um, uh, the umpires or the bench being able to stand up and say that. So, I mean, I I think that that's always going to have, there's going to be a few teething issues, isn't there, when you're introducing new rules? Yeah, there will be. And what I like from the league in that scenario was that very quickly, I assume it was very quickly, but by the time I'd read it, that, that they'd come out and said, the process is here. This is what happened. This is what we're considering. This is what we're going to look at. This is what the umpires can do. We're now giving power also to the reserve umpire to be able to have conversations with the score bench. I actually think that was a really good thing that they came out and did very quickly. And that's why I know we don't want to harp on... Uh, the Giants and Lightning game. But that is why I would hope that we're seeing something very soon. But let's talk to Julie Fitz about it because I think she's going to shed some a a different light on it and she's such a seasoned campaigner um, that, I, you know, I love the way that she did handle it and I love the way that her team handled it. And so I just can't wait to get the nitty-gritty and why Christiana went back on the court, all of that. Yeah, that'll be really good. Hey, B, before we do get to her, I just feel like we can't move on without mentioning the Thunderbirds and how well that they're doing this season. And I know you flagged this earlier in the season. You you kind of felt that they uh, are getting uh, gearing up for a really strong season. And far out, haven't we seen that? They're see, sitting fourth on the ladder, and that's the first time for quite some time we've seen them up in that top four position. And they are just so strong. Um, they've had three really great wins against the Magpies, the Giants, and more recently, of course, against the Vixens. And this weekend, they get another crack, uh, or their, their second crack at a top a top four team. That's the Sunshine Coast Lightning. So it'll be. I, I'm really looking forward to that contest, just to see, uh, you know, how they're going to go against uh, a really experienced outfit. Oh, they are awesome to watch. If you haven't seen Thunderbirds yet, make sure you watch their games because the way Tanya Obbs has 
just put that team together, the way she's empowered them to go out there and play the way they are, it is really exciting. And um, to all of our podcast listeners, I this week have been trying to get Tanya Opst or Georgie Horges or yes. Macy Nankovic, one of their young players. So we are trying to get them on. It's just different. Time uh, is not working in our favour at the moment. However, they're on our list because I think we need to find out exactly what's going on in that Thunderbirds camp because it's pretty exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we were, we've been talking about these uh, this swathe of young talent that we're seeing coming through, particularly pleasingly for me in the goal, sh- in the goal attack position. That's very exciting. <laughs> and Georgie Horges is right up there. So we have been trying to, to get her on. So we'll see how we go with that. But the other person that I think, um, you know, there's they've got such great talent right across. And, you know, we all know about Shamira Sterling. There was a rebound that she took in oh. um, the game. That yeah. was the most amazing rebound I've ever seen. She just <laughs> leapt up over the top. I and stuck the landing. Like, I do not know how she kept her feet, but she's just so athletic and I love watching her play. But the, the play I that I outfit. think... And <laughs> you love the I way love she the styles, the oh, styles, yeah, the uniform. Um, but I think for me, the, the player that I think has really stepped up this year and is just controlling, controlling things is Chelsea Pittman. She's just running that attack end which with such great... Um, you know, space awareness. She's feeding the circle really well. I think that she's a big reason why they are all taking a step up this year. Now, she's, of course, feeding into Lenice uh, Potgeter, who is a really nice uh, player to be able to feed into. And with those players around her, um, everyone's stepping up. But I've been really impressed with her this season. Uh, and she she is a gun. She just knows how to read the play. And because she's so dynamic and so strong, she can take control of that attack end. And But what I do like is when she is subbed off occasionally, they don't lose a huge amount of momentum either. And mm. I think that's really impressive that they've been able to find other players that can fill the void but also allow Chelsea to have a breather. She would probably appreciate having a breather at the moment um, <laughs> with the amount of games they're playing. But, yeah, impressive lineup. I look forward to keeping an eye on the Thunderbirds because I hope that they do something crazy this season and uh, get into the finals and then who knows what happens next. Exactly. Who knows what happens from there? Well, what we know, though, is what's going to happen next on our podcast, and that is that we are going to be chatting to the New South Wales Giants head coach, Julie Fitzgerald. Welcome back to the Inner Circle podcast, and as we mentioned before the break, uh, we do have Giants head coach Julie Fitzgerald joining us now after what has, you know, quite obviously been a big couple of weeks for the Giants. Julie, welcome. Hi, it's nice to talk to you. (laughs) It's so great to have you on here. Obviously, it's been a huge talking point uh, on Wednesday night. But before we get to that, um, the Giants uh, in the lead into this season, as quite a few of the teams did, had to make uh, a quick move up to Queensland a little bit uh, earlier than you expected to. I, I'm just interested in how you're all settling into hub life up there in sunny Queensland. Look, it, was, it wasn't it was unexpected in the sense that we always knew it could happen. But then when someone rings you and says you've got 24 hours to get out and you don't really know how long you're going for, it came as a bit of a shock. And I'm sort of sitting at home thinking, what am I going to do with my house? And I've got to clean out my fridge and all of these things. And we suddenly had to move to Brisbane. But once we're here, I think it was a little bit better and we settled into hub life and we're making the most of it. 
Oh, that's true. I didn't think about like the fridge and that sort of thing when no one's in the house. What did you throw in your bag? Was it was it a rushed pack or are you feeling like you, you were sorted and organised? No, I'm realising now it was a bit of a rushed pack. I think from netball's point of view, I'm packed, but for clothes to wear around in sunny Queensland, I'm not sure I bought it out. <laughs> Julie, for us who are not up there, can you give us a bit of an insight into, I guess, what have been some of the most challenging things about having the team together all the time, but also what have been some of the benefits? Look, the challenging thing is the two games a week. What you try and do in one week in terms of review and training and everything else, you're trying to do twice. And like mm. I'm finding, just doing the review and feedback and things like that is really challenging. Um, in terms of having everyone together, yes, it does have its good and its bad. Um, we often have a team dinner or we do things together, but I think it's really important that they also have the opportunity to do things apart. And, it, um, you know, you might go down the road for a coffee on your own or sit on the beach for a while with just one other person or whatever else. I think everyone really needs to respect the fact that you need alone time as well. Oh, absolutely. I can totally relate to wanting that when you're on tour, <laughs> let alone when you could be up there for, what, 14 weeks or whatever it might be. Um, when you first heard about, I guess, the change of rules, and I don't want to go too much into, you know, the super shot and how that was brought in, but from a coaching perspective, I'd love to know how you then handled that, knowing that the game was going to change and that the super shot was now in and whether you recruited the team that you would have, um, back if you had known that was coming in at the start of 2020? Um, recruitment's an interesting one and, and I think there, there definitely are teams that may have changed their outlook if we had known. But Bianca, you'll be pleased to know that I think it's one thing for the shooters and most of our shooters can shoot a two-point shot anyway. So in that sense, it wasn't a great um, detriment to us. I think it's the defenders that suffer and it completely changes the way you defend. It completely changes your mindset mm. and it not only changes your mindset, it changes it for the last five minutes of every quarter and then the next quarter you're back to pretend to your traditional way and then for five you've got to change again. So for me, the change had the biggest effect on the defenders in the centre court to an extent. Oh, I absolutely agree with you. And then add in rolling subs on top of that. And I think rolling subs, and Sherelle, you'll probably argue with me on this one, but I think as an attacker, it's much easier to step out there and play your game. But as a defender, you're constantly trying to work out the rhythm, the momentum, the timing on the shot. So to add that in as well, where you're guessing which play you've got on your next, I imagine for your defenders, Julie, that is really tough right now. It is really hard work and we've got a couple of really young defenders that I think are really talented and they're going to be stars of the future. But for them to suddenly have to adjust to this with very short notice was difficult. So Julie, with those rule changes, I mean, we're five weeks in now. Is there something that has surprised you with that? Have you had to alter your approaches as you've gone along? Um, I think I think we've come around a little bit more to not concentrating so much on the super shot from an attacking point of view. Um, I mean, we are fortunate. People like Kira Austin and Joe Harton will take that shot every day, whether it's the last five minutes or not. <laughs> so in that sense, we're very fortunate. Defensively, though, I think we keep refining how we play it and what teams we're playing. And you've got to adjust constantly as to what the score is, too. It's not just a matter of what game you want to play. It's where you're sitting in the, on the scoreboard as to how you might play it as well. Oh, definitely. One player that has been absolutely standing out 
for me from your team, Julie, is Amy Parmenta. I, we got to see bits of her the last few years, but definitely this year, I think she's really just stepped it up into her own. I've got to know her a little bit off the court and she's just a great person, let alone becoming such a great player. What an asset she is to the Giants. Uh, she's fabulous. And I think I'm so happy for Amy because I thought she had a standout last year as a rookie. And we talked a lot in the off-season about how it is so much harder the second time around because people know you, they know what you're capable of, and they plan against you. And I think she's coped with that exceptionally well. Yeah, and it's so great. That's one of the things I've loved about this season is seeing, um, you know, plays flourish. But, all, you know, those new players, as you were mentioning before, Julie, that we're seeing through your defence end and right across the competition, that is something that, um, you know, it just, uh, I think, holds uh, netball here in Australia in really good stead. And so I've been really loving that. Now, Julie, let's get into Wednesday night um, because it's uh, the topic that's on everybody's uh, lips. Um, firstly, I I'm interested, did you know that Christiana was sitting on a warning? And can you let our listeners know about that process and, and how you either are or are not are notified of that sort of thing? Um, I think it's the first penalty that, that has actually set up the confusion. Well, I don't know what the umpire was thinking, but that first penalty where she was warned, I cannot understand how that went straight to a warning. And not a, I, to be honest, I think it's a, it's a penalty at best, but why it went straight to a warning baffles me. So from there, the process fell into warning two minutes and off. So... It is difficult to understand, and I think from my point of view in talking to your team, this is round five. In the four previous rounds, that type of um, defence has been played by both teams in every match, and the clarification we now seek is this the new norm. Um, is this what we're looking for in future matches? Is this a one-off? Um, it's, it's very difficult for us to understand the action that was taken when you view the matches yeah. played, other matches played and other defenders play. Yeah, and, I, and I, we spoke about that earlier, uh, Julie, because I think that that is one of the big things about what will uh, come out of this is the, the way the game um, is going to be played or, or how it's going to be umpired and what the lessons are um, from an indiv individual perspective, from your perspective, but also from that broader perspective. Have you? It, are there any lessons that you can pick out of that yet or are we do, do we still have to wait for that official announcement um, or statement from the league to kind of know where it all sits? Um, well, I'm still trying to contact the umpires coaches, which is the avenue through which we will seek this sort of clarification. I understand that may happen later on today. Um, and that will give us some clarification as to how they see it from an overall point of view. Oh, wow. I, I'm actually blown away that that hasn't happened already. I'm sure you probably are too, Julie. Did you get a chance at all to talk to the umpires straight after the game? No, I didn't. And I don't think I would have, to be perfectly honest. I think, one, I wanted to have another look at them before I made any comment on it. And I think you can imagine it was a very emotional moment. And I think it would have been an emotional moment for them as well. So I don't think it would have been a good idea for anyone to have talked immediately after the game. I was really proud with how people like Chris and Joe handled the media. And I, I don't think it would have been a good idea to address it. 
Oh, I, I agree with you. And of course, you've been around the game long enough to know um, the times when to just, you know, take a moment. Um, and I definitely think that was the right thing to do. I really loved seeing your team come together in that moment when you realised that Christiana was going to be off for the last, I think, what, nine minutes of that last quarter. I really love seeing the team come together. We got to hear a little bit of an insight into the huddle where... I think it was Amy and Sam Pullman just looked at each other and like, okay, they had a bit of a smile on their face. They're like, what can we do here than just have the best shot at every ball that comes down our end? What did you um, say to the team in particular at that moment? I just said, okay, it is what it is. There's no, there's no need to panic here. We have a lead. We're going to defend that lead with everything we can and hopefully score off every centre pass. And I was so proud of them, Bianca. There was no... There was no, this can't be happening and this is wrong or anything like that. We just immediately got on with the job. And I think that 10 minutes is probably some of the best 10 minutes our team's ever played. I was extremely proud of the way they addressed it. Yeah, and it was impressive to watch that happen because um, I'm sure it would have been easy to allow that to really affect things, but they did. They just looked like they got on with what was happening and unfortunately couldn't quite hang on to the end. But uh, that's a long period of time to be playing with only um, six players. How how were they, Julie, after the game? Absolutely devastated. Mm. Absolutely devastated. But I was also happy too because we didn't look back and think we lost it because Chris got sent off. We looked at areas that we could have won it anyway and where we might have let ourselves down and we could have won that game even though we played it with six. And But absolutely devastated afterwards. And a little bit confused and what do we do next? Yeah. And, and I felt so sorry for Christiana. Um, I I can't tell you how sorry I felt for her. Oh, absolutely. And it's a, it's, I mean, I've never had to go through it as a player. It's hard for us to understand even what it's like. In the moment after she was sent off for the first time, did you consider not putting her back on? Or where were you thinking from a coaching perspective on that? I was, I did consider carefully not putting her back on. Um, as we all know, Lightning are great finishers. And what I wanted to do was put her out there for five or six minutes and maintain the lead. And then I would have taken her off and replaced her. But unfortunately, we didn't get that far. And I thought Chris played that five or six minutes with reasonable control. Yeah, oh, I, I think so too. <laughs> and um, after, after the game, uh, you know, the commentators were trying to wrap their heads around exactly what was going on. I don't know if you've seen that, but they didn't realise a, a warning had been delivered initially. So there was a bit of confusion there. And Kath Cox said uh, later that she thought maybe you, you didn't realise that she'd be sent off for the rest of the game if there was another um, contest on that. Can you just clarify that for us? W was everyone aware of the ramifications? Yeah, we were. And that's why I was going to only let her go out there for a limited period in the hope that we could yeah. come on to the lead. Yeah. So we were aware of it. But when she was sent off the first time, there was confusion with the umpires as to whether or not we could replace her. So... It was a very, very confusing time. Um, but I did know that there was the potential that she could be sent off. But Let's move bench, forward, Julie. At the bench, <laughs> I had an 18-year-old player in an extremely emotional match playing against what I consider was one yeah. of the top teams in the league. So I wanted yeah, and to finish the game for her, but I didn't want to put her out there in the emotion of all of that. Yeah, and, and that's I the thing. Like, I think, you know, we can... Minutes with good control. Sorry, Julie, I keep jumping in. We've got a bit of a delay, yeah, so I'm sorry right. to, to keep cutting you off. Um, and that's the thing, you know, um, you know, from that umpire's perspective and the decisions that were made there from the perspective of your team and the Lightning, I mean, 
all, all of us, most of us, unfortunately, uh, are sitting back on our couches watching this and, um, you know, we, we can make decisions from a distance. But I can imagine that emotion and you, you, you do want to care for these athletes as best you can, no matter what that situation. And, and you're right, putting an inexperienced player out into that situation would have been um, a, a really tough thing. And like it's a gamble and it didn't pay off. Mm. Yeah, yeah. With let's talk about the next game because I get the opportunity to have coach versus coach right here on our podcast. <laughs> Vixens are taking on the Giants. <laughs> Julie, what have you got up your sleeve for the Vixens this week? <laughs> oh, look, I thought we took a major step up in the way we played last week and I just want to keep building on that. I think our start to the season has been a little bit disappointing. Um, but I do think we played a very, very good game last week, and I'm hoping we can build on that. I have enormous respect for the Vixens, so we won't be going into this with any um, lesser expectation. No, I, well, we, we certainly wouldn't expect that either, Julian. <laughs> and um, from from these first few rounds, it, it certainly becomes a really important period of time for the club, doesn't it? Because we're we're three, sorry, five rounds in. Um, and you, you do want to be starting to gather a little bit of momentum. Oh, without a doubt. We know we're in trouble. We know that we have to win matches. And um, we've got to start that now. And I thought we took a really good step towards that on Wednesday night. It's just really unfortunate that we didn't come away with the points. Uh, Julie, on a personal note, I just want to say congratulations to you because earlier this year you were given an Order of Australia in the Queen's Birthday Honours and I just you've done a huge amount for netball and um, we've had little bits to do with you over the years. We've obviously played against you a lot, um, but it's just great to see that netball's rewarded and you in particular for everything that you've done, not just at the elite level but also with the community netball too. Oh, thank you. It was a very, very big surprise, but it was a lovely thing for the family. How do you even find out about this? What do they do? They send you a letter. How do you even know? <laughs> we got a letter in March, and oh. they tell you that you're not allowed to tell a soul. And I told the kids, of course, but other than that, no one else knew until the June long weekend. So it was a big <laughs> secret for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> a long time to pick out your outfit, what you're going to wear. <laughs> well, I haven't got it yet because of COVID. So oh, of course. So it was announced, but there's been none of the ceremonies where you're presented with it. So that's still to come. <laughs> yeah, well, that's something that uh, you can look forward to, as I'm sure everyone else is looking forward to the rest of this season playing out. Julie, um, one thing that, you know, I've been lucky enough to know uh, and be very close to a lot of people who have been coached by you before and without... Um, question. Everyone loves the way you coach, loves you as a person. Um, and I just want to say a huge thank you to come on and speak to us and clarify a few things from your perspective after what has been a really tough and probably quite emotional time uh, for the club. So thank you so much, Julie Fitz, and all the best for the rest of the season. Thanks for having me. Well, there you have it, everyone. There's another episode of The Inner Circle done for the week. Bianca, um, you know, we, we speak to some amazing people on this podcast. I, I really feel lucky that there are so many people willing to give us their time. But uh, Julie Fitzgerald is a very, very impressive lady. Oh, I'm so glad that we had her. Like As we said at the start, we're trying to get an umpire and Julie Fitz, but I'm so glad that Julie just stuck to it. And, she, you know, and don't you reckon it all makes a lot more sense when you're here, especially when she, you, you know, her thought process was, let Christiana play out a couple of minutes and then I'll take her off once I know that the lead potentially is secured. So it's just good to get that insight. So thanks, Julie. We really appreciate it.
Yeah, it was so great to get that insight. And B, there's only a couple of days before we've got, actually not even a couple of days, one day. Tomorrow we've got more netball and then we'll run with it again <laughs> because the league has announced the fixture now through to round nine. So certainly those midweek games will continue until then. I think there is a bit of a thought that they might try not to have those midweek games as we get a little bit closer towards the finals, but we'll wait and see how that plays out. B, it has been great to chat to you as always. Next week, we'll see what other uh, hot topic uh, hits us. <laughs> what drama is going to come out of next week? <laughs> see you then. Oh, looking forward to it. Chat to you then. Thanks, everyone. Bye.